0: Celebrate Pride Month with TVO. Visit tvo.me pride for documentaries, kid shows, and educational resources. Discover inspiring stories of love, friendship, and resilience. Help TVO create a better world through the power of learning. Visit tvo.org and make a tax-deductible donation today. Whether you care or not, the fact of your birth assigns you to a generation. And according to psychologist and author Gene Twenge's latest and most comprehensive book, whichever one it is, it's foundational to understanding how major shifts in our world shape us in the broadest terms. The book is called Generations, The Real Differences Between Gen Z, Millennials, Gen X, Boomers, and Silence, and what they mean for America's future. And it brings Gene Twenge back to our airwaves from San Diego, California, and I can already imagine... Professor Twenge, you're thinking to yourself, did he say Gen Z? Yes, I'm sorry. This is a Canadian show. We don't say Gen Z. But with all of that, let me welcome you back to our airwaves. It's great to see you again. How are you?
1: I'm good. Thank you.
0: Okay, You write that when you were born has a larger effect on your personality and attitudes than the family who raised you does. Okay, let's dive in there. Why would that be the case?
1: Well, some of it is that family environment has a surprisingly small effect on, on personality, but a lot of it is just the enormous impact of growing up at a different time. I mean, when you think about what it was like to live 200 years ago or 100 years ago or even 50 years ago, how you lived your life day to day, Your life course in terms of when you, say, finished your education or when you got married or started your career was completely different. The technology that you used was completely different. The values and attitudes that most people hold have also changed. It's just fundamentally different.
0: I can remember a time, though, when we used to categorize ourselves by whether we were kids of the Depression, or whether we grew up during the war, or post-war babies, or Vietnam babies, that kind of thing. Is that, in your judgment, no longer the way we ought to be thinking of these things?
1: Yeah, that's the traditional theory of generational differences, is that generations are shaped by the age they are when they experience certain major events, like wars, or economic depressions, or pandemics. However, those major events don't have that big of an impact on day-to-day life in the long term. And what does is technology. That is what makes living now different from living in the past. So not just smartphones and computers, but also things like washing machines and air conditioning and trains and airplanes. All of these make living now very different from previous decades.
0: Let's do an excerpt from the book that focuses on that very issue. Sheldon, if you would, bottom of page one. Let's bring that graphic up and I'll read along. Technology makes individualism possible. Until well into the 20th century, it was difficult to live alone or to find the time to contemplate being special, given the time and effort involved in simply existing. Does the same technology have a similar cultural impact in individualist America as it does say in more collectivist Japan, for example?
1: Yeah, so that whole idea of individualism and collectivism began with the research on cross-cultural differences. So for example, the US, Canada, the UK are more individualistic than a society like India or Japan. But all of these societies have increased in individualism over time. It's just how much they've increased and the ways that they've increased can vary based on specific culture or country.
0: Let's go through it then, because there are are five basic, I know you added a sixth at the end, but basically there are five basic generations, and we're going to go through them now. And if you would, just give me like a, a brief blast on each one as we go through and give us how their cultures sort of are and or were. And you start with the silence, the silent generation, 1925 to the end of World War II, 1945. Tell us about them.
1: So many people haven't even heard of the silent generation. Mm -hmm. So they are in between the greatest generation who fought World War II and the boomers. However, you really have heard of them. So the silent generation, they were the leaders of the civil rights movement and the feminist movement. So two of its most famous members, Martin Luther King Jr. and Ruth Bader Ginsburg.
0: Why do you call them the silence?
1: Well, I don't. Um, Someone started calling them that in the uh, late 1940s, early 1950s. And I think they got that reputation for just being a post-war generation. They married young. They had their kids young. So the idea was that they weren't really saying much in the 50s, but they had a lot to say later on.
0: Gotcha. All right. Let's talk about the generation that tends to grab a disproportionate amount of attention, mostly because they insist on it. The boomers, 1946 to 64. Give us a blast on them.
1: Well, so the boomers are named after the huge rise in the birth rate during those years. So they are a very large generation, and that's why they've had such a big impact. It's because of their sheer size. The culture has been focused on their life stage at pretty much every stage of, of their lives. So boomers took those changes to the laws that the silent generation got going and really lived them. You know, they were the ones who ended up changing hearts and minds just through the way that they ended up living in terms of more quality based on race and gender and sexual orientation. So, And they also took individualism and started to explore it much more than the silence ever did.
0: And I learned in your book, three American presidents, all boomers, all born in the same year, all born in the same summer. Go ahead. You want to name them?
1: Yeah, of 1946. So that's uh, Bill Clinton, George W. Bush and Donald Trump, all born in the summer of 1946. There we right go. At the beginning of the baby boom.
0: Right. All right. Next one. Generation X, Gen X, 1965 to 1979. A word on them.
1: So I'm a Gen Xer myself and we are such an undefined Generation. That's how we got our name, X is the letter for an unknown quantity. And I think that's still somewhat appropriate. Uh, A lot of people kind of forget that Gen X exists between boomers and millennials fighting it out. Um, A lot of Gen Xers like that. They like flying under the radar, just doing their work, having their families. One thing I really uh, ended up figuring out about Gen X in the course of writing the book is how much Gen X values resilience and being tough in a way that started to fade with millennials and later so a lot of the cultural and political discussions around free speech and cancel culture the generational break is between gen x and millennials
0: and i guess we should always apply the 3m adjective to millennials the much maligned millennials because they are the next we have to talk about 1980 to 1994 Why so much
1: maligned? Well, you know, it, it might be true that millennials have gotten even more criticism. But Gen X got criticized. Boomers certainly got criticized. Uh, and they still are criticized. I mean, I think that just happens. I think it's really unfortunate. I mean, when you look at these things, these are big cultural changes that have affected all generations in one way or another. We're really in this together. And the idea of whose fault it is or who should we blame, I think is really counterproductive. So millennials um, are defined by taking that individualism to the next level So it's not just equality, although that's central to them. It's also about just be yourself and you can be anything you want to be and very high expectations and a lot of optimism. And then that ran into the Great Recession. So started to have some qualifications there. So there's a lot of underlying anger of nobody told us it was gonna be this hard. The good news is that contrary to popular belief, millennials are actually doing really well economically. line for a long time, is that millennials are all broke. They're not going to do as well as their parents. Well, at least in the U.S. data, median incomes among 25 to 44-year-olds are at all-time highs, and that is corrected for inflation, including including housing costs and, and other costs of living.
0: We will dive into that more later, because people listening or watching this right now are going to say, there's no way that's true. But we're going to come back to that. Uh, mm-hmm. Finally, Gen Z, or Gen Z, as you call it in the mm-hmm. States, 1995 to 2012. And they are Well known because why?
1: Well, they were the first generation to spend their entire adolescence in the age of the smartphone and ubiquitous social media. And that's had ripple effects across many areas of their lives. So for one thing, they have communicated with their friends online so much that they spend less time with their friends face to face. So that's true for teenagers it's also now true for young adults that digital communication has replaced the in-person communication and that would, that that trend started around the early 2010s it wasn't just due to the pandemic the other thing that gen z or gen z is really known for is the enormous increase in mental health issues that again started around 2012. that for example teen depression doubled between 2011 and 2019 in the US, so even before the pandemic. And we have some good data from Canada, specifically from Ontario, showing the exact same thing in grade seven to grade 12 students in Ontario, with big increases in mental health issues beginning in the early 2010s.
0: And is it undeniable in your view that that is the case because they are digital natives as opposed to being digital immigrants?
1: So we have to consider all possibilities here for why this increase occurred and why it occurred beginning in 2012. So I first presented this theory about six years ago in my book called iGen about this generation and since then no other plausible explanation has really come to the fore nothing else fits the data as well partially because of the timing so smartphones uh, were used by the majority of north americans around the end of 2012. that's also when social media use started to move from optional to virtually mandatory among teens but it's not just the time sequence it's what else had such an enormous impact on the day-to-day lives of teens and the answer is nothing
0: hmm. all right let us now that we've gone through all those five different generations i do want to circle back to millennials because You did say something that I know is going to surprise a lot of people, the notion that they're not as economically badly off as they purport to be. In fact, they're doing better off than everybody expects. The word is we can't get the best jobs because you boomers won't retire. We can't get the best houses or any houses because prices have skyrocketed thanks to you boomers. And you have said the millennials either now or eventually are going to do even better than the boomers. What are you seeing that clearly so many others are not?
1: Yeah, you know, the thing is, this is publicly available data from the U.S. Census Bureau and the Bureau of Labor Statistics. It's not difficult to find. I didn't even have to do any stats analyses. They published these tables. Median incomes are very high. Um, And the St. Louis Fed took a look at wealth building, which is important because it's not just about income. It's also about wealth. And that that also takes into account things like student loans, which are a big deal. And millennials are neck and neck in wealth building with Gen X, and they are on track to catch up to boomers as they get older. Uh, The housing market is an interesting example. So here there's some variation within the generation. Early millennials, if they bought, say before about 2020, have seen their house values skyrocket. But younger millennials who maybe have not yet bought, they're in a tough situation because prices are high and so are interest rates. So the counter right to these these observations a lot as well, but housing prices are far up inflation. Well, two things on that. Housing costs are a huge amount of the calculation that the Bureau of Labor Statistics uses to correct for inflation. And second, what people forget is that in that huge rise in housing costs, in housing, sorry, in housing prices, is that housing costs have actually stayed relatively similar until about a year and a half ago because interest rates were so low. In the 1980s, interest rates for mortgages were 13%. And in 2020, they were about three. So that's a huge difference. And so the cost was actually similar.
0: Millennials would suggest though, that whereas we boomers needed to save on an average, five years in order to be able to purchase a home or have the down payment to purchase a home, they have to save something in the area of 18 to 20 years in order to be able to do the same kind of thing. Now, the facts show that. They're not wrong about that, right?
1: Well, it depends. It depends on when we're talking about. So if we're talking about people buying a house in 2010 when prices were a lot lower, older millennials were often buying houses at the time, they got the deal of a lifetime. So in that part, it wasn't true. Then after prices started to go up again, it is true that even with low interest rates, you still have to come up with a down payment for that housing cost. So in that place, saving for the down payment, that's true. That that has become harder. Ironically, though, what has often happened with millennials is their boomer parents who have a lot of home equity will give or loan them the money.
0: Or, Or when they die, these millennials are going to be very well off that's what many people are expecting. Yes. Yeah. Okay. There's another group here and I got to confess, I'd never heard of them. A sixth group that you have put together. And, um, well, I guess in part because they're new on the scene and their generation is expected to last starting in 2013, but lasting until 2029, the polars, polars, like polar bears. Uh, how did they get their name? What will define their culture?
1: Yeah, so this is the post Gen Z generation born 2013 and later. So these were the young kids during the pandemic who, the you know, the the, the poor kindergartners who had to do their kindergarten and first grade online. Um, and I think that dividing line of 2013 is a good one because Gen Z, Gen Z, they all remember a time before the pandemic, and polars were not. So we don't have an agreed upon name for this group yet. Some people call them alphas, thinking, okay, we've run out of letters, and then we got to go back to the beginning and use the Greek letters. I'm not a big fan of the letters. Uh, They're kind of repetitive and not very descriptive. So I call this generation polars, after melting polar ice caps and political polarization, two things that are shaping their world right now and likely will in the decades to come.
0: Now, we are we have been taught, Gene, since we were kids, don't stereotype people. You can't put all all people in one basket. So with that in mind and having said all that, I mean, let's face it, there are stereotypes for each generation. And I'm hoping right now you will tell us what you believe to be the most true to life stereotype of one of these generations. Which is it?
1: Mm. Well, you know, first, I have to I, we have to acknowledge the difference between stereotypes and data. So, stereotypes are when you guess. Um, Data is when you have actual data knowing what the average differences are. Even with that data, though, of course, not everyone is going to be at the average. So there's a lot of variation within each generation. Just like when you have differences, say, based on gender, there's plenty of variation among men and among women, even if you have an average difference. So I always have to acknowledge that. so there are some stereotypes that have some truth behind them and then there are those that don't um in the book i debunk a lot of the stereotypes that are out there like millennials are poor and all, all boomers are, are rich um it's hard to pick one that is pervasive that has some truth to it if i had to i would probably pick the one about millennials being overconfident there's some good data to support that one
0: There we go. The much maligned millennials again. But let's figure out how much how much has to happen to a particular generation for them to get this, you know, overarching theme attached to them. But by that, I mean, you know, we know that not all baby boomers were out there growing beards and long hairs, uh, long hair and becoming hippies and marching against Vietnam. And, you know, not all Gen Xers are unambitious slackers and that type of thing. But but what percentage of that group would have to have those characteristics for them to be defined, for a whole generation to be defined that way?
1: Yeah, I think those types of perceptions are more anecdotal. And they are certain types and certain subsets of the generations. Because boomers are a great example. Sure, they were the hippies of the 60s, but then they became the yuppies of the 80s. And were those always the same people? Maybe, but a lot of times that was two subgroups within the generation. So that particularly happened with boomers because they're such a large generation. Um, But, you know, I think those things can only go so far, those perceptions, those ideas around subgroups. It's one reason why I'm much more happy to rely on these surveys of millions and millions of people to see, well, overall, how does this generation look on average? I'm really trying to get a number
0: out of you, though. Is it is it fair to say if, I don't know, 25%, 50% of the people of a certain generation reflect a particular set of qualities, that's enough for us to categorize the entire generation in such a way? Do you have a number in mind?
1: I, I don't for kind of a statistical reason um, most of these most of the time when we measure these things in these in surveys or sure, sometimes these are yes or no questions and we can say you know x percentage identify this way versus that way but it's hard to come to that conclusion and put one number because there's just there's so much variation across the generation and it also depends on what trait you're talking about
0: Hmm. Uh, I, I guess I'm going to go at this one more time in as much as and you've had this criticism before, so you've you've heard it, that if you're born in the same year and one of you is a black man growing up in Mississippi and one of you is a white woman growing up in New England, you're the same generation, but your realities are really pretty different. So how do right, you actually because, categorize yeah. people that way?
1: Well, I mean, of course, people differ in many, many ways other than just generation. But that they those those two still have their have their birth year in common. They still had certain experiences with technology, certain experiences with individualism, with uh, the pace of their life that they would have in common, even if these other demographic characteristics had some influences. I mean, you know, saying okay, they're 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 completely different generation doesn't have any impact because you have these other academic other demographic. Differences is like saying, oh, you know, women of different races don't have anything in common. It doesn't make a whole lot of sense.
0: Okay, here's how you summarize the current relationship among the different generations. You say silence and boomers are the powerful older siblings. Millennials and Gen Z are the energetic but misunderstood younger siblings. And Gen X, the middle child, is often forgotten. Okay, let's pick that apart. Why do millennials and Gen Z feel so misunderstood?
1: Well, I think all generations feel misunderstood by the others in one way or another. Uh, It's just a matter of it's sometimes very hard to take the perspective of someone who is 20 years older or 20 years younger than you. Uh, And there's certainly a tradition of older generations trying to understand younger ones. And sometimes they fail and sometimes they succeed. I also think it needs to go both ways. I think there's a tendency for the young generation to dismiss the older generation as irrelevant. Eh, Sometimes they might be right, but not always. And I think that perspective taking is best when it goes both ways. That means the older generation has to hold back on criticizing sometimes. It means the younger generation also has to try to take the perspective of the older occasionally.
0: Hmm. Given the divide between the older and the younger siblings, which generational values are shaping the future of one of the fundamentals of all of our lives, namely work?
1: Yeah, so there's some really interesting trends in terms of work attitudes. So I'll focus on Gen Z. So one thing that we see with Gen Z and it's true of millennials as well, a lot of emphasis on work-life balance. So I don't wanna work so much that I don't have things outside of work. Now, some older people see that as low work ethic. It's all a matter of perspective. The other piece is Gen Z is more likely to say that they want a job in which they can be directly helpful to other people. That's gone up in the big survey, say of 18 year olds in in grade 12. So I think there's some opportunity here with the young adult generation now uh, with them really wanting to help.
0: Okay, Gene, let's talk some politics here, because you have suggested that a generation's political profile depends on, for example, how popular the president was during their lifetime. Mm. So let's go back. We can go back to the silence where Franklin Roosevelt was the president, and we can come all the way to present day where Gen Z had Donald Trump as the president and, of course, lots of presidents in between. Which generation Mm. did best on that front?
1: Well, I'm not sure it exactly works that way. I mean, what the the research suggests is the party and popularity of the president when you're young tends to tilt you either right or left democrat or republican in the u.s so millennials for example tilt democrat because obama was relatively popular um, especially say compared to trump or biden so with gen Z, it's going to be very interesting to see what happens because yep trump wasn't popular Biden isn't particularly popular either, so they've experienced both a Republican and a Democrat president who weren't particularly popular. So where their leanings will go in the long run is a little harder to say. I, you
0: know, I'm curious about this because,
1: uh, again, I'm a, a part of the boomer generation.
0: And in that generation, you've got John F. Kennedy assassinated, Lyndon Johnson hounded from office that he didn't run again, Richard Nixon uh, mm-hmm. impeached and then resigned. I mean, by rights— the boomer generation really should be very sour on politics, given the three experiences of those three presidents. I'm not sure that's the case, though. I don't know. How do you see it?
1: Yeah, that's true. I think there's, there's a lot of different influences going on. And, you know, if you look at the survey data, yeah, boomers, especially as young people, were very politically involved. They, 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 they still are. And Gen X, less interested in politics. Millennials brought that back to an extent. And then Gen Z is voting at higher rates than millennials and Gen Xers did when they were young adults. So it'll be very interesting to watch that young generation and look at their political involvement because it's encouraging that more of them are voting. It's discouraging though that there's a very strong sense of pessimism, even nihilism in this group of the idea of things are terrible, they're gonna continue getting worse and there's nothing we could do about that. And I think so there's these two roads forward, maybe activism, maybe not so much. We gotta see where it goes. Mm -hmm.
0: In which case, uh, let's finish up on this. Which of the generations in your view had the greatest impact on how the future will unfold?
1: Mm, That's a tough one. Um, It would probably be the boomers due to their sheer size and the amount of political power that they have had. I think it is a misperception to say that um, you know all boomers are, are rich and powerful. There's a large segment who are definitely not and are economically struggling and struggling with mental health, and that has to be acknowledged. But when you look at political dominance, it is hard to top the boomers. <laughs>
0: Gene, I uh, tell you, there's so much to think about in this book. It's absolutely fascinating and we're delighted you spend some time with us on TVO tonight. It's called Generations, The Real Differences Between Gen Z, Millennials, Gen X, Boomers and Silence and what they mean for America's future. And Canada's too, we can say. The professor of absolutely. psychology at San Diego State University, Gene Twenge. Thanks so much, Gene.
1: Thank you.